Praise the Lord. Uh, please join me in a brief order of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for how richly you have ministered to us. Uh, Lord, I just ask a, a special favor and grace on the worship team, Lord. Just bless them, Lord, tremendously as they take such great care in leading us in the worship of the Lord. Um, just continue, Lord, to help them. Uh, we don't know what their challenges are each week, but whatever their challenges are, we know that they have you as their consolation. Um, Lord, thank you. Uh, we ask a special blessing on the Heather, Father God, who shared out of her own personal testimony, Lord, as she uh, blessed us, Father God, uh, sharing out of the vulnerability, uh, her own story. Um, and I believe that as she has shared that story, it resonated with others, and, and others might find the inspiration, Lord, to, uh, to, to, to come out and allow themselves to be known and, and, and what they've done to be known so that they might be ministered to, uh, healed, made whole, and, and, and could be used to make a difference in others' lives, um, having come on the other side of those decisions. So, Lord, we ask you to continue to speak to us through your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 122. We're continuing in the Psalms of Ascents. And I'll, like I did last week, I'll read the Psalm. is only nine verses. And then we will go where the Lord leads. Starts in verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was declared for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And as I said last week, the Psalms of Ascent are about drawing near to God to worship him. They were to sing these Psalms as they were on their pilgrimage to the designated place of worship. Psalm 122 is one of the four Psalms of Ascent that was written by David, King David, who was called a man after God's own heart. And to my knowledge, David himself never had to make the pilgrimage that is referenced in the Psalms of Ascents, but he has written it from the perspective of one who will. It's written for those who will. He wrote it from the perspective of one who loves God dearly. And David says in verse 1 that he was glad when they said unto him, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now going to the house of the Lord meant going to worship him. It wasn't about the house, it was about the one the house was made for. So when they said, go, let us go to the house of the Lord, they're essentially saying, let us go to the designated place of worship and worship God together. I just wanted to point that out. But notice, in that first statement, he was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Notice, before they arrived at the house of the Lord, even before they began the journey to 
the house of the Lord. David is already glad. See, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He's not waiting to get to the house of the Lord to find his gladness. He's already glad. Do you hear that? He's already glad. This tells me that worshiping God brought him great joy. Great joy. To him, worshiping God is like what my kids felt like when we were getting ready to go to Six Flags. Right? They were glad when we said unto them, let us go unto Six Flags. Right? They didn't have to wait to get there. They were excited about the whole thing. The, the mere thought of going there brought them great joy. It brought them thoughts of great gladness. <laughs> and there was rejoicing. And they were counting down the days. That kind of excitement that a kid has in anticipation of something like that is the kind of excitement that David is expressing here about the concept of going to worship God. The house of the Lord was like six flags then <laughs> to him. If you'll go with me there. So, worshiping God brought him great joy. And his, it was his hope and inspiration. It was his hope and expectation that it would do the same in others. Just the thought of worshiping God. in concert with the people of God, corporately, going to the place of worship and worshiping God. The thought of it brought great gladness. And any opportunity to join with others to worship God filled them with gladness. And it's important to remember that there is a journey involved. Remember last week, there is a journey involved for everyone to gather at the temple. You know, uh, I believe I overstated it last week talking about how many weeks, but at least days were involved. Depending on how far you were traveling in, in, in Israel to get to Jerusalem, it wasn't just an easy thing. People had to take days away from their lives, take days away from work, you know, days away from, away from the fields that they were working in order to go to worship God. But I just wanted to point out in that verse 1 that the psalmist here, David, begins the journey with joyful anticipation of the destination, going to worship God. And to me, that gives us a beautiful example to follow in our own attitude toward worship. Let's go on here. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So, here in verses 3 and 4, again, we're, they're referring to the pilgrimage that devout Jews made to Jerusalem. Three times a year, they went, they went there for a festival of weeks, festival of booths for the Passover. They would travel to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And I don't want to gloss over that because there is a message in that that I want you to really consider. I want you to jot down. I want you to memorize that the fact that they had to do that tells me that worship requires commitment. I'm going to say that again. Worship requires commitment. If you're going to make that journey, you know, this arduous journey from wherever it is you live, let's say you lived in the farthest reaches of Israel, it, it's going to take you the better part of a week 
to get to the place to worship. That means you've got to be committed. If, if, if you have a flat tire, you got to fix that thing because you got to get there. We got to get there early. Well, for them, maybe a flat wheel. Sorry. Broken, broken wheel on the whatever it is it's called. <laughs> you know? You know, you got to get, you got to prepare. You got to get there early enough to account for the stuff that you couldn't plan for. You got to be committed to resolve situations because it's not an option not to make it to the place of worship. It requires commitment. You got to be willing to take whatever profit loss, whatever profit you might have made if you were able to work those four days it takes you to get there. And the, the week it might take as far as round trip to do it, then you, that's a commitment you're going to have to be willing to make. And you're going to have to consider that God is worth it for me to make this sacrifice to go and worship him. And not only has he got his mind around it, and not only is he resigned to the fact that he has to go to the house of, of God to worship, he's glad about it. So whatever it is we're giving up, we're going to need to be so committed to worshiping God that we find gladness in going to worship God no matter what the cost. So, that's one of the points. Worship requires commitment. Commitment to follow God in faithful obedience and a commitment to set other things aside in order to worship God. If we're going to give him our all, and Brittany was talking about that in their song set, you know, if we're going to give him all, that means we're going to have to discipline ourselves to set aside everything in order to worship him. That, that's included in commitment. All right, we're commitment to be unencumbered in our worship of him. So whatever it is that's going to challenge that, we're going to set it aside for, for a specific amount of time so that God has the best of us and all of us invested into him. Amen? So reading from, uh, I must read verse 4 again, then I'll, Read to verse 9 and uh, to make my last uh, point about this passage. To which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers... And companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Two core elements of worship are mentioned in that little passage there. From verses 4 to 9. Thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. You know, life challenges us in so many ways. There seems to be an endless number of curveballs that life can throw our way and everything. And we can fall into a, a, a negative mindset. We can fall into a complaining mindset where we neglect to have an attitude of thanksgiving before the Lord. And that lack of thanksgiving, it affects our ability to praise. And if we can't be thankful and we're not in an attitude of praise and thanksgiving, then guess what we're not able to do when it's time here on Sundays? Worship. And so, those things that would hinder us from being able to have hearts of thanksgiving and praise, we got to set them aside. Because remember, we're supposed to be, that word, committed. 
to worshiping God. Worship requires commitment. The commitment to say, I hurt. Yet God is great. God is worthy to be praised. I hurt, but 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 Lord, I gotta I gotta find a way to set the hurt aside in order to press into you because I'm committed to worshiping you. And I know you don't want me to neglect it, but but what I'm gonna do is take this hurt and I'm going to present it to you and yield it to you and trust you to minister to me as only you can. But I will not use this hurt as an excuse to deprive you of the worship that is due you. I will not use this money-making opportunity as an excuse to deprive me of worshiping you. Whatever it is, that's in the way. I'm not going to use it as an excuse. I, I am committed Psalm 122 is from the heart of an individual who's committed to worship God. A flawed man, we know what David did. We know what he had to repent for. We know he was an adulterer. We know he was a murderer. We know he, he had some pride issues that, that cost him and his family dearly and even cost the kingdom. Right? And and so he 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 gave in to the to the temptations of the flesh. He gave in to those things. And yet when God dealt with him, he repented. He owned what he did and he repented. And when he realized, when it finally hit him, when the fog of of lust finally dissipated and he realized fully how he had sinned against God. He was brokenhearted before God, and, 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 and he went to God, and he got right with God. Because he was committed. You know, I used to have a conflict. How can, I, 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 I read the passage that David was a man after God's own heart before I learned that he was the guy who killed Uriah and took Bathsheba. So I was conflicted, right? I mean, how could a man, you know, do what he did and be a man after God's own heart, you know? Because in my mind, if he's a man after God's own heart, man, he never, never messes up. All he thinks about is what God, what pleases God. All he does, he's, he's beyond temptation. He's beyond the issues of the flesh. He's just going to walk in godliness all the time. And it, it, I, that was error in my thinking. But it wasn't, despite what I thought at the time, it wasn't about him walking in perfection. It wasn't about him living a sinless life. It, it, it was about, though, his commitment to to uh, 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 his commitment to God and that he was going to do what he took to be right with God. It mattered to him whether what he did grieved the heart of God. And if it grieved the heart of God, he wasn't going to take that, he wasn't going to dismiss that, he was going to address it. Genuinely, he was not going to make the same mistake twice. You hear me? And so we can have a God after uh, uh, have a heart after God's own heart, and not necessarily. That's not perfection. It's what are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the heart of God? Are you running after His heart, pleasing His heart? That's the objective there. He was a man who was committed to doing that. So the two core elements of those verses four through nine, thanksgiving and praise. And each of us, I want us to take a second. Well, let's take a minute. 
and ask ourselves, does my attitude and approach to worship line up with what is described here in Psalm 122? I had to ask myself this as I was reading this, as I was studying it through and, and considering it before God. And so I wanted to put this question before us all. Each of us should ask ourselves, does my attitude and approach to worship line up with what is described in Psalm 122? Is worshiping God something I anticipate each week with gladness? And thanksgiving. Is it something I have to work up to? Do I have to do I have to find my gladness somehow once I get there or something, or get a sense of I've received something that I really want and before I can be glad that I'm in the house of the Lord? Or am I glad when someone says, Hey, it's time to go to church, it's time to have, go to prayer service, it's time to have to participate in some time that is dedicated to the worship and ministering in the name of the Lord. And so my challenge for you is to consider that. Not not to self-condemn, but I think it's oftentimes beneficial for us to reflect and, 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 and get an assessment of where we're at spiritually, where we're at attitudinally, right? Because again, life happens. And when it happens, it affects us more than we think it does sometimes. It affects us more than we think it does. And it affects how we interact with our loved ones at home. It affects how we interact with our uh, um, church family. It, it affects how we uh perceive events and, 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 and news, how we process things, all that stuff, we're affected by that. And we need to be cleansed of that and be brought into the light of his truth. We ought to have regular times of, of, of introspection, of self-reflection. Am I in line with what I know to be true? In the Word of God, is my is my love for God and entering into the house of the Lord and 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 entering into worship? Am I am I as passionate as I was the day that I first got that appetite for it? Am I am I as excited as I was the first time? And if not, then that tells me, okay, maybe I need to rekindle my first love. Are you hearing me? So I, I know I asked you to ask that question in this moment, but, you know, write that question or, or, or some variation of that question down and consider that question in your own time, in your own personal time on a regular basis, whether it's weekly, every couple of weeks or whatever, but periodically. Ask yourself, when the word of God goes forth and the truth is presented, am I being a doer of that? If not, okay, God, I desire that. And we press into him. Are you hearing me? All right. And I'll say this, as leaders in this church body, we must also consider that question from a corporate perspective. As a church body, are we reflecting that? Right? Because if not, then individually and, and, and from a leadership standpoint, we gotta be we gotta not be satisfied with that. We've got to do something about it. All right? Does this line up with our approach to worship as a church body? If not, then let's fix that. Amen. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. 
Let's start at the fourth verse. And while those of you who have your Bibles are flipping through it, I do want to make one distinction. Obviously, we're in the new covenant. We're in the new dispensation now. In the Old Testament, there was a designated place of worship, the temple in Jerusalem. But in this new dispensation, There is not just that designated place of worship. The house of God is not a place. It's us. Amen? This building would not be the house of the Lord if the house of the Lord wasn't worshiping in it. Amen? And so, so we need to, uh, uh, I didn't give y'all this verse, so don't, don't worry about it. But but a, a lot of y'all remember, many of us remember the encounter Jesus had with the woman at the well. And when he asked her for water and, and she told him how the Jews treated her people. And, uh, you know, she couldn't believe that she'd be asking her for water. And he said, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, you'd ask me for water. And I would give you water that after you drank it, you'd never thirst again, Right. Right. And, you know, they go back and forth and, you know, she said, our father said that, that, that this is a place where people ought to worship. The Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place ought to worship. Jesus said there's coming a time when the place to worship won't be Jerusalem or, the, or this mountain area. Because the father seeks the true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I want y'all to know that we're living in that time. This is the dispensation of the new covenant. This is the era of the church. And we are in that dispensation where there is no designated place. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. We don't have to be in a temple to worship. But we ought to be ourselves a dwelling place of worship unto the Lord. Okay? Hallelujah. So, Hebrews chapter 3 kind of speaks to that. Starting at the fourth verse, it says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And what does it say after that? And we are? All right, we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We are the house of God. Continuing on, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, you always go astray. No, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Right? These are all, these bewares, these take cares are not just for them, they're for us too. And we have to realize that we are the house of the Lord. And that when God speaks and God wants to lead us, then we're going to have to humble ourselves and commit to obeying him. Otherwise, an unbelieving heart, a rebellious heart, a hardened heart that isn't pliable, that isn't flexible, that isn't willing to obey God, Unless it makes sense, unless we see an obvious benefit to us, we're not willing to to just fully trust God and obey him in whatever his word says. You know, 
this, this passage is referring back to when God was ready to give them the promised land and they refused to go. Why did they refuse to go in? Well, because they didn't trust God. Yeah, he got them out of Egypt. And yeah, he parted the Red Sea. But they whined and complained the whole time. He was Moses' God. Moses trusted him, but he hadn't yet, believe it or not, he hadn't yet earned their trust. And so they're on the cusp of receiving the promised land. And yet they refuse to go in, thinking that God is setting them up to kill them. Because the people over there are bigger, stronger, faster, better warriors, and they're looking at it in the natural We've got no shot. This guy's trying to kill us. Heck, if he wanted us to die, we may as well go back to Egypt. We could have died just as easily there than going into the promised land. And he put them in the wilderness as a result of that. See, those were hardened hearts, unwilling to obey God because it didn't make sense to you. on the cusp of receiving the promise, but you don't grab a hold of it because of carnal thinking in the flesh, not really fully committed to obeying God and trusting him. And so let's go on and finish that uh, uh, passage out. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is a deceiver. And I know we don't like having people all up in our business. Exhorting means someone is, 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 is telling you about yourself sometimes. Someone is encouraging you, right, to live up to what you know the Word of God says. There, someone is trying to spur you on to love and good works. And they're doing it because they care. They're doing it because they love you, but they're also doing it in obedience to God. And you should be doing the same. And that, that should be a, a, a reciprocal process going on in the body of Christ. We're all encouraging each other giving each other a hand up, keeping the, the mark in front of us, right? The mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're, we're, we're pressing on toward it, and we're going to spur each other on to it. And the, and, the, and, the, and the thing is not to resist that, but see it for, for what it is. It's designed to help, you, to, to, to help you in your developmental process. So embrace it and go with it and appreciate it. Because we're told to do it. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Right? It's not for me to wait till you are embroiled with sin before I speak into it. Because I'm trying to be kind. And I, you know, no, no, no. The kindest thing to do is to speak, speak into it and address it before the deceitfulness of sin sets in. And your heart is hardened. So that's the loving thing to do. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You know, we, we've come to share in Christ, the very nature of Christ. We've shared in that. And we need to regard it as precious and do what we can to partner with God to protect it and to develop it. Amen? I've got two final uh, verses both for fairly short, but to continue on with this theme of our being the our being the house of God now. Ephesians chapter two, starting at the seventeenth verse, says this. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, the him being Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're members 
of the household of God. We're fellow citizens with the saints. You and I are all members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I hope you're seeing that picture that it is painting there. On the first, first it says we're all members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We're talking about a house where Jesus himself is the cornerstone of it, right? Then secondly, it says that we're being joined together and that we're growing into a holy temple unto the Lord. So we're the household of the Lord. We are growing into a holy temple unto the Lord. And lastly, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, God is in us, right? And he is in our midst, right? And we are, and we are in, because we are in his household. We are a part of his family. We are in the household of God, and we are the dwelling place of God. Mm. The final verse I want to share with you today is in 1 Peter. Also chapter 2. Suffice it to say, Peter agrees with Paul. Starting at the fourth verse, it says, As you come to him, a living stone, we're living stones, amen? amen? As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. I want you to know that about yourself this morning, right? You may know rejection. You may have known the rejection of many, but you are chosen and precious to God. Amen? Amen. It's important that we are armed with the truth. So that we don't become prey to deception, that we don't that we don't become prey to the doctrine of demons, or we don't become prey to just the worldly thinking out there. You know, there there are boxes that society thinks we ought to be fitting into one of. Right? We're supposed to you know, there's a, certain, there's a certain image that we are supposed to fit into in, a, in order for us to be acceptable to many people. And if we don't quite fit in or we don't fit into any of those or, or what have you, then people are prone to reject you. People are prone to label you in some negative way. And, and, and too often... We internalize that and, 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 and we label ourselves what society labels us. And that just cannot and should not be the testimony of the believer in Christ. To those of us who know the word of God, we have to be mindful of what God's word says uh, and how he views us. He made us, so he has the right to name us. Right? 
He alone made us. He created us. So he's the only one that can put a label on us. On us. And so let's not disregard the label that God has on us and embrace a label that somebody who doesn't know us, didn't die for us, didn't raise on the third day for us, and is not interceding for us every day at the right hand of the Father. Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us. Now, if we're that important to him, then it ought to matter to us what he says. What he says to us and about us. And so this word here says that you are precious. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never experience some level of shame in your life, but, but, but at the end of it all, when Christ himself comes again, when it's time to separate the goats from the sheep, when, 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 when it's time for us to meet him in the air, for us to be, like, to, 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 to be with him forever, at that point where we don't yet know what we will look like, but we will be just like him. In that moment, whatever vindication you didn't get on earth, <laughs> you'll get it then when it matters most. Whatever rejection you had to endure on earth won't matter then. Because the God of your salvation, your creator, will have embraced you into an eternal acceptance, into an eternal relationship with him. Where sin's going to have no more place. Death is going to have no more place. Sorrow is going to have no more place. Amen? Things will be as they were intended to be when he created man in the first place. And even though we've not yet gotten to it, that point being fully realized, that day hasn't come yet, we are assured that it will come. Each and every one of us has the Holy Spirit in us, and it is the guarantee that that day will come. Amen? Amen. And that that alone is enough for her to always carry a little thanksgiving around <laughs> in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation we're in. We can be reminded of that and always have a little can of thanksgiving to give God, that, that, uh, a little bit of praise to give God because nothing this world can do can take that away. There's not a circumstance in, in life that can take that away. And we need to be reminded of how good God is, how good he has been to us, right? What he has done for us and what our eternal future holds in him. And I think it's critically important to remember that. Let us go to the house of the Lord. I, chose, I just chose those words as the title of the message. Let us go to the house of the Lord. And as I repeat those words, the very words we started today's message with, as I repeat those words, I want the heart, the heart of worship displayed by the psalmist to really hit us in our hearts. I want us to be convicted that if in any way our attitude and approach to worship doesn't line up 
But what we've learned about today, if it isn't rooted in that truth, where we can find our ability to be thankful to God and to praise God in and through anything, that when it's time, when someone says, hey, man, let's go and praise God, if we're not excited by that, even before we get in the car and, 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 and start driving on our way there, then there's some hard work that needs to be done. Because God, I need to be excited about it. If someone gave me an all-expenses-paid trip to Europe, I'm not going to wait till I get there to be excited about it. <laughs> right? You know, I'm not going to wait till I'm at the Louvre or something like that to be excited about it. I'm going to be excited about it from the moment I got it. I'm going to be anticipating where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, how exciting it's going to be, because this might be a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. We need, to, we need to deflect some of that. That's, you know, if we can do that for a vacation, for a trip, surely we can do that. Surely we can and should do that when it comes to worshiping the Lord. Because the payoff from the Lord it, 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 I'll tell you what, the trip to Europe is nothing to compare to what God has in store for us. You, you hear me use this word perspective all the time, but that's, you know, we, we've got to be diligent in our efforts to develop a kingdom perspective. in our everyday lives. What's really important here? What are my priorities? What are the things that really uh, bring joy and gladness to my heart? And is God spending time with him, worshiping him, at least on the list? <laughs> if not, okay, then God, I'm going to go and press into God because I want it to be on the list. Whatever part of me I haven't given you, Lord, I'm determined to give you. Whatever I need to set aside, let me know what it is, and I will set it aside because I am prioritizing you. Uh, I am saying, let us go to the house of the Lord with gladness, with joy, with great anticipation, because I know your goodness. And I want to give you all of me. You gave me all of you. When you poured yourself out on that cross, and, and, and I'm going to give you all of me. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, Lord, we just, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that you are long-suffering with us. Lord, I myself was humbled as, you know, I, I love to worship you, Lord. I love your word. And I found myself humbled with the, when I'm reading through David's attitude of worship, going to the house of the Lord. And I had to admit to myself that there's room for growth. That there are some things that I need to set aside. And, and Lord, I can't be the only one. And I thank you, Lord, that you're long-suffering with us. Your love doesn't wane while we are working our way slowly. <laughs> toward being more committed to you. Lord, I pray that we all get definite with you. Let us get definite today. Lord, Psalm 122, the heart that's displayed in there, the approach to worship, the heart towards worshiping you, Lord, 
the joy at the thought of it. That may not be me, but I'm not just going to lay down and take that. I'm not just going to accept that as me, Lord. Today, I am definitely saying, I want that, Lord. I'm going after that. And I'm inviting you to convict me. I'm inviting you to work in me in such a way as to produce that kind of fruit. And Lord, we know, according to 1 John, we know that if we pray anything according to your will, you hear us. And I, I know this is a prayer that's in accordance with your will. And it says that, and if, we, and if we know that you hear us, then we can be sure that we receive the request that was made unto you. So Lord, we pray in faith and in confidence because we know it is your desire to give us this thing because this is necessary for our continued growth and development as you conform us more and more into the image of Christ. So we say, have your way in us, Lord. Do the deep heart work within us that will help us be definite about laying aside things, letting things go, and pressing into you and giving you all of us. Being committed to walking in obedience to you and committed to worshiping you in a way that will not be denied. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, you guys may be seated. I, I, I pray that the word ministered to you today. And, um, and I pray that you meditate on what's been presented here today. God has spoken to you. The only question now is what you're going to do with what God has said to you. And I believe, I believe that you're going to be a doer of God's word. That you're going to bear more, much fruit to his glory. Love you, God.